following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I have a very difficult message today that I need to share with you, and I'd like to begin by praying with you. Lord, the end of all things is at hand. I know that. Lord, I ask that as I share this message today, I could just disappear, I could hide in you, Jesus, and that you would be seen, and that your heart would be seen. For you're calling for a people who will lay it all down and step forward and say, Jesus, I choose you. You're all the world to me. You're my life. You're everything. Lord, I pray today that as I give this message, you will do your work in our hearts. Lord, let there be no pride. Let there be no arrogance. Let there only be tenderness and love as I share this word. Lord, prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds. Lord, get us out of our heads and into our hearts. Lord, get us into a place where your Holy Spirit can speak to us and draw us out of the cords of darkness and misery and shame and establish us in the kingdom of God. Lord, thank you. I pray your blessing for each person who has the courage to listen to this word. I pray in your holy name. Amen. A mother... 79 years old, a widow, met a man, both saying that they were Christians, both having been a part of the church for years, said, let's let's move in with each other. Let's not get married. Let's just live with each other. God will understand. Well, first, we better check with our families. So they checked with their families. Her family had a very interesting take. They said to her, Mom, whatever will make you happy, it's fine with us. We just want you to be happy. So now, a number of years later, they're happily living with each other in sin. In sin. And it seems to be okay, and the church doesn't seem to bother. Oh, they they go to church. They participate. 
but they're living in sin. How have we become so tolerant and so understanding of sin that it's not a serious issue anymore? Whatever makes you happy. Whatever feels right. No moral standard. No understanding of right and wrong. How we have fallen from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am broken hearted over this. Jesus spoke these agonizing words. They're found in Luke, the 12th chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? Or do you think I came to be tolerant of sin on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided. Father against son. Son against mother. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against daughters-in-law. Daughters-in-law against the mother-in-law. He came to bring separation. We don't like that word. And as we come now to the end of all things, we want peace. But there is no peace when the devil is destroying Christians and leading the rest of the world to hell. There's no peace. At some place or some point, we've got to rise up and say, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can't live this way. There is a place of right and wrong, of justice before a holy and righteous God, and we've got to stand before his his judgment bar, and we've got to answer for what we've done, and it's not going to be, well, were you happy? No, it's going to be, were you righteous? Were you holy? Chapter 13 of Luke. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Obviously, Jesus is placing a very high priority on on repenting, meaning turning away from what you're doing, from the life you're living, turning away. Turning away from being the, the constant, tolerant, 
peacemaker with wickedness. It's called for repentance. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. I don't want you to perish. I want you to live. told them this parable. A man had a fig tree. It was planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? So Jesus is saying, I come to a person's life, and I say to that person, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of righteousness in your life? Where's the fruit of love and compassion for justice? Where, where is the fruit of salvation for the lost? Did you just agree with them? Did you just go along with them? Are you just a tolerant person who doesn't want to make waves and, and I've got my little religion deal going and, and I don't need to worry? Really? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Is this your year? where Jesus is going to be looking for fruit, and if he doesn't find it this year, he's going to cut you down? Is this the year of judgment on your life? The Lord told me to preach Romans 6. Romans 6 is, you must be crucified with Christ. You must leave your life of sin. You must walk clean. Without sin. I said to one man, when are you going to make the decision to get serious with Jesus? He is, his answer was, well, I am serious and I'm working on some things. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not something you work on. This is something you renounce this is something you cut off. But I said to him, I know why you said you're working on it, because what it really is is your pride. You don't want anybody to tell you how to live your life. You don't want to have anybody telling you what to do. You are in charge of your life. You are filled with pride. Now, this is not going to take time. This is going to take determination on your part that you will renounce wickedness and you will surrender your life to Jesus. And until you do that, you'll continue working on it until you're in hell. And then you'll say, well, I'm in hell. It doesn't matter. And you'll suffer the punishment. 
Do you understand? Do you understand? Is this your year that Jesus has given you an additional year for you to determine whether he should cut you down? There are some in the scripture he didn't give that additional year to. He didn't give Ananias and Sapphira an additional year. He simply said, I'm sorry, it's over. Boom, done, buried. So, tell me, have you made a decision that you're going to turn aside from darkness? That you're going to turn aside from wickedness? That you're going to give yourself wholly now into the hand of Jesus? And you're not going to let any inconvenience prevent you from walking clean before God. Are you ready to do that? Then I go in the scriptures over here to First Peter. He becomes he becomes very specific. He becomes very specific. First Peter, the fourth chapter. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Are you living your life solely for the will of God? Solely for the will of God. Now, he goes on, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. And then he gives us this hit list. He tells us what he's talking about. I want to share this with you. This is this is terrifying. Uh, I'm shy of even talking about this, but I must. You've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Well, what do they choose to do? They choose to live in debauchery. Well, what's the definition of debauchery? Debauchery is where I give myself totally over to what I enjoy physically and emotionally, to wildness, to sin where gourmet food becomes everything for you and you salivate over it and you you dream about it. Or you love the party life where you can go and drink, where you can play striptease poker, where you can engage in sexual impurity. 
where you can be debauched, where you can get drunk. Living in lust, that absolute hunger and desire in your heart that you have to have this. Some of you lust after money. Some of you lust after success. Some of you lust after sex and pornography. Some of you lust after whatever satisfies your body. Some of you like to get drunk. Some of you like to just get drunk and pass out and miss it all. Orgies. Party time. Party time. Orgies is wine, women, and song. Where you can begin to just utterly deaden all sense of right and wrong. After a few drinks, you're there. Some people love to do it with wine, other with hard liquor, some with beer. And then carousing. What is carousing? Last year I was invited by friends to go to a New Year's Eve party. And first we sat down and we had dinner. After dinner, people began to drink. Some were drinking through the whole meal. So by the time the meal was finished, the conversations had become much louder, much more animated. I soon said, this is not where I belong. And I got up and left. Carousing, by definition, is feasting, drinking, and then off come the clothes, and people play. I don't need to be more specific. This is a family program. You get the point. Loud conversation, loud laughter, animated with drunkenness, and unclean. Every passion released. Detestable idolatry. Idolatry is putting something in front of God. Detestable idolatry is everything I've already mentioned, plus thinking that you must do what you must do. A man must do what a man must do. No. A man must do what God orders him to do. Some of you have grown out of this party time atmosphere. You finally came to your senses and you said, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I don't want a swinging relationship with my husband and other couples. I want to walk clean before God. But some of you are still in it. Some of you today are even shacked up with somebody you're not married to. 
and you call yourself a Christian. Some of you love to get with the guys and just drink, have your beers, watch the sports, smoke your cigars, have a good time. You know what? That's not a good time. That's following the detestable behavior of the flesh. Now, if you choose not to plunge into that, if you choose not to plunge into that flood of dissipation, you'll have abuse heaped on you. You'll have people say, come on, what's wrong with going to the casino and gambling a little bit tonight? I know Christian men and women who go to the casino to gamble. That's their entertainment. It's detestable before God. But they claim they're Christians. They love to play with the devil. Verse 7. This is First Peter, the fourth chapter, verse 7. The end of all things is near. We have come down to what Peter called the end of all things, but now we're very close to the end of all things. We're seeing the earthquakes. We're seeing the pestilence and the famine. We're seeing the, the volcanoes. We're seeing all of the signs that Jesus is coming. We see a one-world government emerging. We see an election being stolen, lying, cheating, stealing. He says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. One of the greatest sorrows of my heart is in the church when we've come together to pray. People are not prepared to just open their hearts and their mouths and let flow the prayer of praise and thanksgiving, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of crying out to God. It's even difficult to get people to call on the radio to pray here when we have a very specific agenda to pray for the president, to pray for the country, to pray for the church. People are very shy. I know why. If you have a hard time praying, it's because you're not clear-minded. You've been compromising with darkness. And your heart is not constantly filled with prayer. You do not pray without ceasing. And so when it's your turn to pray, what shall I say? You know, I have no trouble praying. I prayed most of the morning before this broadcast. Why don't I have trouble praying? Because I have a clean heart before God. And I don't care what anyone thinks. I care what Jesus thinks. And so I just open my heart and let my words flow to Jesus. If you're having a hard time praying, it's because you're not praying enough. 
If you have a hard time praying, it's because your heart is hard. And you've compromised with wickedness and you've been tolerant of sin. You don't have a clear mind. And you're not self-controlled. You're still controlled by your wicked emotions. You're still controlled by your wicked desires that rise up in the flesh. Now, let's be very clear. If in your mind you are eager to participate in the professional sports entertainment, in the fantasy gambling, fantasy football, if what you love to do is to watch television, movies, violent movies, every kind of movie, you can't be clear-minded. Your mind is filled with with what's happening with the fantasy football, what your strategy is. Your mind is filled with what movie you want to watch next. Your mind is filled with that violent video game. One wife came to me and talked about her husband and said he's always watching these boxing videos playing these boxing videos. He's addicted to them. I asked him, are you addicted to them? He said, no, I'm not addicted. I just like them. You like them so much that you'll let your wife go to bed without you and you'll stay up and play video games? Well, she doesn't like that, I know. Some of you just spend hours Every spare minute, gaming. You have a special gaming computer, and you like to play the game. You're not clear-minded. You can't pray very well. So if you're watching that television, you're watching those videos, you're playing the, the video games, you're going to the pornography, You're shacked up with somebody you're not married to. You're lusting after food. You're lusting after success. You're lusting after the things of this world. Then you're not clear-minded. Your mind is filled with all of this work you're involved in and all of this entertainment and all of this stuff. You can't be clear-minded then. It's, It's filled with every kind of issue. So you can't pray. So you can't pray. And if you can't pray, how are you going to be saved? You're in trouble. Do you understand? We've come to the end of all things. It's very near. You're going to see a catastrophic crushing of the dollar in America. Last week it fell 8%. Do you understand what that means? It means your money is worth 8% less than it was a month ago. You can buy 8% less than you could a month ago for the same amount of money. 
as it falls against other currencies. We're going to see a crushing of of mammon in America. This may be your year where the Holy Spirit comes and stirs up the dirt around your heart, your life, fertilizes you to see if you will submit and if you will begin to produce something worthwhile instead of all this wickedness and entertainment and searching after darkness. You can't be a friend of Jesus and a friend of darkness. You can't be a friend of Jesus and a friend of the devil. You can't compromise with Satan and keep the peace and be able to pray. We're coming to the end of all things. And it requires great soberness of mind and spirit. I'm having to move from the house I'm in, which means moving the studio, means moving everything. I have to move at the end of the month. I still don't have a place. I looked at a place last night, but it was much too small. I would have had to get rid of a lot of furniture, and and I would have had to be shoehorned into that place. And there wouldn't have been room for a studio, and there wouldn't have been room for people to gather to pray and worship with me. So I said no. And this morning, very early, I was up. My heart was very concerned. Lord, where do you want me to live? I have to move. I don't want to live under an overpass. I need a home where saints can gather with me, where those who are earnest and desiring Jesus in this metro area can come and they can pray and they can seek the face of Jesus with me. My heart was not at peace. So you know what I did? I came into my prayer closet. I sat down in my prayer chair. And I said, Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. My heart is not at peace. And I can't do the broadcast today if my heart is not at peace. So I sat before the Lord and read the word. And prayed and asked the Lord to bring his peace into my heart, and he did. It was like a, a fresh breeze blowing over my spirit as he revived me and said to me, Just wait upon me. Wait upon me. It's his responsibility to find the house for ministry that he wants me to live in, as well as it's his responsibility to pay for it. So I, I'm waiting on the Lord. And I know with your prayers 
and those are the prayers of of God's people. My prayers, he will answer, and he will open the way where there is no way. I have a man in the house today. I don't. The landlord does. Spackling and painting and dust flying everywhere. I'm saying, Lord, how do I survive this? And he said, with a good spirit. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Jesus. The end of all things is near. I want to be clear-minded and I want to be self-controlled so that I can pray. And then, verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply. The King James Version says, Have fervent charity. Love each other deeply. It doesn't say to correct each other fervently. It doesn't say judge each other fervently. When somebody sent me a message, they had seen the title for one of the broadcasts about a revival time coming, the great awakening coming. And they said, you're deceived. You're teaching one world New Age government stuff. I just said, Lord, have mercy on this dear person. They're so deceived. They didn't even listen to the broadcast or they couldn't say such a thing. I'm waiting on the great awakening of the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of a word of of righteousness and holiness over our nation. I'm looking for great conviction of sin. Love covers over a multitude of sins. So offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It doesn't say if you disagree, cut and run. It says love. It says love each other deeply or fervently. So many people in my life have been judgmental of me and I have been judgmental of so many. I can't live that way anymore. I can't live with the pride of thinking that I know. No, I can only come and speak what the Word of God says because I don't know. I only know what Jesus has said in His Word. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You know, my brother, my sister, it's very clear something brand new has got to happen in the American church. We're a bunch of churchgoers, 
And now the Lord has removed that from us or from many. The church is in deep trouble in America. It's time to come together and stop playing church. It's time to come together and bear the fruit of righteousness. To stop trying to please the world. Please, will you hear me? You can't please the world. One brother said to me, do you remember the story of Lot? He was considered by Peter as a righteous man, but his soul was vexed by the ungodly. But he would sit at the gate, and he was one of the key leaders of the city, and he thought everybody loved him. But when he rebuked the city for their sin as they came after the guests that were in his house that night, he saw how dearly loved he was by the world and the flesh and the devil. They said, we're going to treat you worse than we'll treat them. They threatened him. The world does not love you. And if you are a follower of Christ, you will never convince the world to love you. You will be an object of stench in their nostrils because you will not lie, cheat, or go along to get along. You will draw a very plain and clear line. You will not participate in the carousing. You will separate from the woman or the man you are shacked up with, and you will say, we can't do this anymore. You will cut off any cheating you're doing at work, any stealing of supplies you're doing from your job, and you will return what you have taken. You will stop simply seeking body pleasure in food or in any other area. You will say, no, I want Jesus, and you will cut off those things of utter darkness. You will not participate in them. Some people teach that when these attitudes, when these feelings arise and you can't get rid of them, you should distract yourself. That works with a baby, but it doesn't work with an adult all that well because soon they'll be back at it. No, there's only one way you can deal, according to Jesus, with those attitudes and those desires and those cravings, and that is you cut them off. How do you cut them off? By going to Jesus fully confessing what you feel and what you want, and then saying, Jesus, will you please take these from me? I renounce them. And now, Jesus, would you take me to the very root of this issue, that the root can be removed from my life that has drawn me to sexual uncleanness? Was it pride that drew you? Pride in your manhood or your beautiful womanhood? 
What drew you to that sexual uncleanness? Were there experiences in your past that need to be reviewed in the light of Jesus' blood? Where you need to confess who you are and what you are and not hide it from Jesus? Where everything must be opened and clear and plain before his throne? I'm not interested in distracting myself from cravings of my flesh. I want the cravings put to death. I want them gone. That's the promise of Scripture, that Jesus' blood will put them to death in me, and I will no longer operate under their power or their authority. Some of you have tried repeatedly to stop drinking or stop smoking or stop the pornography or stop whatever it is that you're doing that you know is wrong before a holy God. And you repent and then you go right back to it. You're going to have to go before him and take the time to deal to the very bottom of what that addiction is. With every addiction... And one precious woman who has been free of alcohol now, she was a severe alcoholic. She's been free, I think, probably eight or nine, maybe ten years. She hasn't had a drink. She said to me, Pastor, alcoholism is connected to a demonic spirit. Every addiction, by definition, is demonic. So there has to be a coming to a place where we recognize what that addiction is and recognize that it is demonic and then take authority in the name of Jesus over that demon and cast it from us and ask that the blood of Jesus come and cleanse and purify and make clean. In our loneliness in the sorrow of our heart over past experiences. Instead of facing the pain honestly, we try to fill it with somebody or something. And when we fill it, we have a temporary relief. But we have a guilty conscience. There's only one way to deal with that to make a decision to remove from our life those things that trigger us and tempt us and take them to Jesus and absolutely deal them the death blow with the precious blood of Jesus, taking authority in the name of Jesus Christ over that demonic power that has caused me to be addicted in misery for years. Every addiction can be broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever the addiction, the lust after money, every addiction is demonic and is broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's not broken so that I can then live my life and enjoy the works of darkness. It's broken so that I can be utterly given over into the hand of Jesus and walk into the kingdom above, washed and clean and whole in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And from that point on, I live for the will of God. I don't live for my will. Some of you want to be delivered from alcohol so you can have a more fulfilling life. Jesus will not move against a demon power so you can have a more fulfilling life. He will only move against that demonic power if you have come and said, I want you to own me, Jesus. I choose to belong to you. And I'm not going to go back to the way of the world, the flesh, or the devil. I'm going to walk in you, Jesus. Five minutes. Five minutes. Now I hope that this message today has been clear to you. I want to share with you again, out of Romans, the sixth chapter. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, the carnal nature, the old man, was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That is, in the Greek, destroyed. Not put down, not distracted, destroyed. Now, I can deal with my frustrations by beating on a pillow or yelling and shouting, scream therapy. I can distract myself in some way. I can have very good strategies in the world for how to do that. That's not what Jesus wants for you. What he wants for you is to be free and to be clean, to be washed, to be made whole. You see, we've come down to the very end of the earth, the end of the world. It's about time for us to be with Jesus. This may be your year where Jesus is sending this broadcast to dig around your life, to fertilize you by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to see if you'll respond. I invite people to come on Sunday, but people are very reticent to come because, man, what will it cost me if I come? Everything. I'm going to have to drive a long way. Yes. What's it worth to get clean with Jesus? What's it worth to have the peace of a clear mind and a pure spirit? What's that worth to you? It's worth everything to me. Jesus is worth everything to me. 
Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I'm very grateful that you've been with me. I pray it was helpful. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I need to hear from you. We're now starting to need to look at the money for this month, and it's a short month. Would you write to me if you want this message, this work of the gospel to go forward? Would you write to me? Would you share in the burden of this broadcast of paying for it? Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And you can also go to uh, our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com you can give online click on the upper right hand corner also there are many videos blogs podcasts send them to friends I also ask you would you subscribe to our channel I'm eager to get to 500 trusting Jesus to spread this word. God bless you. We're broadcasting on 780 AM and also on YouTube and many other platforms. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.